Our second reading closely mirrors the first. It is the story of the transfiguration from Matthew's Gospel, the 17th chapter. Let us listen once more for God's word. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and he led them up a high mountain by themselves. And there he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah, and they were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, a bright cloud, it, it covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Now when the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and he touched them. Get up, he said, don't be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. Now as they were coming back down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, saying, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Friends, this too is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Today's sermon is titled, Gone Marveling. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, lift us up from wherever it is we are bogged down. Place us out into a clearing of your making, that our eyes might be opened and our hearts might be receptive to the, the places and the things and the words that you are showing us this day. Indeed, O oh God, we pray that your spirit will draw near now the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts will be satisfying and glorifying to you. For you and you alone are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So I was sort of trying to get at it with the kids, but the truth is this story of the transfiguration is completely and utterly mystifying to me. Take the word for starters, right? No one up here raised their hand. I've used the word transfigure. How many of us actually even know what that word means? Then you get this almost Hollywood-esque movie magic thing going on where, where Jesus' face, it, it shines like the sun. Y'all ever tried to look into the sun? And his clothes, they, they dazzle white. And that's before we even get to the part about two dead guys being up there with him, right? I mean, how do we make sense of this story? You can imagine my appreciation when I was wondering that to myself and a colleague pointed me towards some words of a United Methodist pastor who apparently was wondering some of the same things about the transfiguration story. 
he wrote about this story saying, you know, this is a story not about us. This is not a story that you try and draw a moral or a takeaway from. The story of the transfiguration is a story about God. Any sermon on this particular story he wrote, all it should do is try and invite all of us to simply marvel, to wait, to stammer and puzzlement and delight, he wrote. But it's hard. It's a struggle, I think, for for people to just enjoy things, right? Certainly a struggle for the disciples. Look at them up there. They don't puzzle or delight. I read somewhere else this week someone saying that Peter is the most over-caffeinated disciple in all of the Gospels, right? Because what does Peter do? No sooner has this whole event began to transpire than then Peter starts talking, starts running around. Lord, I, I brought with me a whole thing of lumber. Let me make you some shelters up here. Let's stay. Let's stay right here. We don't ever have to go back down. Right? It's hard to just enjoy things. It's certainly hard for us. I mean, are we not a people who are terrible at being in the moment? I've started saying that I think all of us, we, we are living as people of high distraction and constant urgency. Right? Almost every one of our conversations, if you're like me, they happen with a screen between us and the person in front of us. So every Sunday after church, I eventually make it home and I put sweatpants on and I lay down on the couch and I turn golf on. Then I fall asleep and when I wake up, golf's still on. (laughs) But I've started sort of marveling at the fact that every time I watch golf and someone puts it off towards the rough and they go over and they're about to hit a shot near the ropes, there's 200 people gathered around them, but you don't see anyone's faces, do you? They're right in front of you. Be in the moment, but we're terrible at it, aren't we? We are a people who live in a time of high distraction and constant urgency. The slightest delay or unplanned event, it's a cause for a headache or an ulcer. We're terrible at being in the moment. At least most of us are, anyway. Y'all might remember a few weeks ago now, maybe months ago now there was a Sunday that it just poured rain and after this service most all of you had emptied out the ushers had already locked the doors and turned the lights off but there's one person who had gone out to her car and she was having car trouble and so she came back in and she sat on the pew in the back hallway along this wall right here on the other side I don't know what I was doing. I was running around like a chicken with my head cut off. I was frantic about something, going somewhere important, although I can't remember where it was now, so it must not have been that important. I ran up to my office. I piled everything into my bag. Because it was raining, I decided I would cut through the back hallway to get to my car in the parking lot. And I came whipping around that corner right there, and there she was, sitting in the dark, on the pew, no screen, no book, just sitting. And I swear to you, it was her stillness that caused me to stop in the best way possible. And her and I, we sat there 
10, 15 minutes, and we just talked. We talked about family, about life, about faith. It was the highlight of my day, even better than my nap. Right? That's hard. At the very end of our conversation, right before I was about to go, she took a deep breath and said, well, I was just sitting here, and I thought to myself, maybe this, you know, this rainy day, this car trouble, this dark hallway, maybe all of this is part of God's plan. Maybe God knew that I just needed some time to sit for a little while. And then she said, nothing goes to waste in God's economy, does it? Not even car trouble. I've literally thought about that every single day since I ran into her in that hallway. I was reminded recently about something Fred Craddock wrote about in one of his books where he talked about in 16th and 17th century England on Sunday afternoons after church, it wasn't uncommon for, for people and families to get together and they go on walks out in the countryside. And you know what they called it? Marveling. Isn't that great? Honey, will you come with me? Let's go marveling this afternoon. Right? That's what she was doing. She was sitting on that pew just marveling. When was the last time you, any of us, just sat and marveled? I have this friend who marvels at everything. She'll send me text messages in the middle of the night from the morning before where she marveled at the way the light was coming in through the window and just wanted to share it with someone. She'll find a funny-shaped leaf on the ground and she'll just sit there and look at it for a little while. Or rock that's out of place. She and her husband, they have a home in the mountains and they have this amazing front porch that wraps around the front of the home. And on this porch, they have this big, long wooden table and it's covered in stuff. It's covered in all the things that she has stumbled upon in her marveling, right? There's that perfectly shaped leaf she found a few months back. Here's a twisted piece of metal that was sort of on the side of the road, but it reminded her of a, a music note, so she brought it back, right? Here's a key that I found in the middle of a trail way up in the mountains. How does a key get on a trail in the mountains? And she lays it all out there on that table on her front porch, as if she is witnessing to her heartfelt belief that everything is part of God's plan, that nothing goes to waste. See, here's the thing. I cannot explain the transfiguration story. It is utterly and completely mystifying to me. But in this story, I can find two things. I can find an affirmation, and I can find an invitation. And the affirmation is this, God is God. If God wants to go up on a mountain and shine like the sun, God can do it. If God wants to hang out with dead people, God can do that too. God is God. But if that's true, then there's an invitation here as well. 
an invitation for all of us, God's people, to marvel in that reality, to slow down and to sit with that knowledge that, yes, God is God, that there is no object, that there is no circumstance, no mistake, no person, that there is nothing that goes to waste in God's economy. You know, if you were here last week, I invited you to imagine a balcony. I didn't plan it this way, but here we are. Today, I want you to imagine a front porch to your life. Because I wonder to myself, what would the world look like? If more people had front porches like my friends, front porches where they laid out on that table for anyone to see all that they marvel over, what would be on our porches? Would there be something that we could invite someone to step up and and we point it out, it's over there in the corner, you see there's that relationship that 10 years ago I would have told you was dead. What about over here? Here's the most beautiful sunset I've ever seen. Right here, that was the day my child was baptized. Oh, this is that awful event that changed everything. To be honest with you, it still mystifies me. I'm still trying to make sense of it. Or maybe it's it's this piece on, on this corner of the table, that moment where I was finally able to laugh again. Or maybe right there in front of you is that time that your car broke down and God gave you an hour to sit and marvel. You all remember that word that we don't ever use in common language much? What was it? Transfigure? I did look it up. The definition of transfigure is to transform something or rather transform into something more beautiful or elevated. What would the world look like if we had more porches like that, full of the things we marvel over? I think the world would be transfigured. I think the world would be transformed into something more beautiful and elevated than anything we could ever imagine. And all we have to do is sit and marvel. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen.